This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 71, we buzz the treetops of what ANSYS 2020 R2 topological optimization and additive have to offer and check in on ANSYS-related news. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners at PDT and your host for these podcasts. It's a lazy Friday afternoon before a three-day weekend, and I have to say it's been wonderful. My email traffic, everybody, a lot of people took Friday off, so my email traffic was wonderfully low today, and I was able to get some long put-off projects done. So yay for three-day weekends or the day before three-day weekends. Um, as we look at four more months of 2020, uh, a lot of uh, things have backed up through the years, and uh, you know we got to get a lot done before the end of the year. But uh, I, for one, will be happy to wake up in 2021. You'll see we've got a lot of events coming up because we we did like everybody else. We, we kept on waiting, hopefully for a better way to do it, but we're going to go virtual. And uh, so there's a lot going on in the fourth quarter and I'll cover that near the end of the podcast. Things are going well here at PADT. Uh, we're growing and adding people. So do check out our website. I, I was kind of hoping those would be up now, but they, they'll be up probably in a week or two. We've got some new jobs we're posting. So if you're interested or you know somebody that's interested in working for us, uh, check those out. We also have some new people that started um, or st uh, that started this month or are starting this month. Some new blood is always a good thing and a new perspective is always, always welcome. And um, it's been great to have them, even though we're talking virtually, uh, join the team and add some press, fresh perspective to things. Um, we also kicked off some pretty cool simulation projects um, that I can't talk about because we don't have permission to, but I'm going to, they're so cool. They're nothing really you know, technically complicated, but they're really cool applications. So we're going to try and get permission to share those uh, with people because it's some fun stuff. And um, as one of the engineers that's working on one of the projects said to me is that, you know, this is, this is, it's a CFD job. One of them is a CFD job. And it's like, this is, this is not very difficult to do, but it's such a cool application. I'm really having fun with it. So maybe we can share that. Um, today, we're going to have a discussion uh, with Doug Otis. He's our lead engineer for structural and CFD on the tech support team. And he's all around, uh, if you've listened to him on the podcast before, or worked with him before, you know, he's a sharp-witted and funny fellow and always good to talk to him and always good to get a brain dump from him um, because he really takes, um, you know, basically this is a new feature and and relates it to what's useful and, and what it really means for users. Um, so we had a wide-ranging chat uh, earlier today about topological optimization and ANSYS additive. And um, it, one of the things that really came out of it, as you'll see, is that it really established these two tools as now really fully functioning, capable tools um, and that, that really add a lot of value. So let's, uh, let's learn from Doug. Welcome back to another discussion today about the ANSYS additive suite. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk today with Doug Otis about the uh, tools for topological optimization as well as simulating the whole additive process in ANSYS. How are you doing today, Doug? Pretty good. Smoke's kind of cleared up in Colorado. So uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, we're staring at the, it's going to be like 90 through the weekend and then snow on tuesday um, <laughs> and so i'm trying to, fall for you <laughs> i am bracing myself for the 70 degree swing um that we're staring down hopefully nothing will crack with that kind of a thermal change yeah 
Oh, that's crazy. Crazy. Just our resolve. <laughs> Just resolve. That's right. That's right. 2020 is still got, still got. Right. Right. It's, it's par. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. Well, you know, one of the more popular topics here on the podcast, uh, as far as number of downloads and things is when we talk about what we can do with, um, these new optimization tools, as well as modeling 3d printing. I assume it's not because of me. I assume it's because of the actual what the software it, does. Yeah, it's the software. It's the software. Yeah, it's it's a. It, it could be. I mean, it could be your fan base. Could right, be, right. Could be just right. You're your paying in other countries to log in and click. I don't know, but uh, how do you make money? Way, Volume. Right. <laughs> <laughs> volume, volume, volume. So it's it's a it's always a good topic, and we're and of course we're talking going through about the twenty twenty R two, and so this is the area. Let's start with just kind of a very uh, high overview for those that are new to it. What exactly uh, are we talking about? What do these tools do? We're talking about. Uh, sorry, we're talking about topology optimization. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because there's a lot of parts of additive manufacturing yes. and so yeah. um, on the printing side ANSYS is typically more focused on the metal printing uh, process but um, we'll, I guess we'll start with topology optimization which yeah. is really kind of process independent um, and so topology optimization is essentially telling the solver to change um, or to remove material uh, traditionally so we, we take a model we specify some constraints like we want to uh, minimize compliance. We want to, you know, make sure uh, stress maintains a certain value, deflection, anything like that. And then, uh, depending on the algorithm you use, we either turn elements on or off. Or we figure out kind of some closed loop uh, topology shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, or s- starting with the last rev and now improved at this rev is we actually distort the mesh. And so, topology optimization is typically you have two fundamental solvers or two available solvers in um mm-hmm. the mechanical environment um and so that's the historical you'll see it called a simp method it's a density method where you essentially go through and basically turn elements on or off um mm-hmm. you track what happens when you turn those elements on or off and then you keep repeating that process and there's algorithms behind the scenes that do a better job than I'm explaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you finally get something that that matches your criteria. Um, the other method is a level set method, which mm-hmm. uh, I am not smart enough to f- remember what a level set like method is. It's right. essentially a different way of kind of creating closed loop um, uh, topologies based off of um, you know your criteria, and so. Um, you know, those are the, the two kind of, you start with a model and then we're essentially whittling away material and, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how you w- whittle away, that's, you know, either turning elements on or off, or you're kind of do, doing this level set method to form your own topologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is a, you'll see it called like a parameter free or it's a mesh morphing where, you know, you start with a shape and then the solver is allowed to distort that. And so one of the complaints are questions that we get is how do I get a topology optimization to like make something outside of my original shape? Right. And the answer is you make a bigger shape. Um, <laughs> right. So I uh, say, I mean, the, you know, topology optimization, you can, you know, if I know where my re- loads are being applied, I know where it has to be reacted out. I don't know what it needs to look like, you know, just make however big of a box will whittle it down based off of your criteria. And that's your answer. Whereas the mesh morphing essentially 
stretches, distorts the mesh, um, and kind of, uh, 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 comes up with your, uh, your final shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of the, the big thing at this rev is you can mix and match, you know, level set simp or the mesh morphing. Um, Thanks. so all you need to do is apply, you know, you can have one body that's allowed to distort, you can have one body that's, uh, goes through and uses the sit method you have another one that goes through and uses the uh uh what was the last one level set yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) got got lost in there um so it's pretty cool and so i mean each one of these guys kind of has its own strengths and weaknesses and really depending on what you're looking for so um uh and and um so i mean i and i think you know we were talking before i think there's you know this release doesn't feel like there's a lot of like cows like <laughs> like Shazam. Right. Um, it's a lot of kind of more consistent behavior, more consistent like manufacturing constraints are being allowed, cyclic symmetry, um, and just kind of cleaning up how everything kind of behaves. And then in the next rev, I think there's some really cool stuff that that will come out that kind of blends, you know, not you know, not just you know, a discrete algorithm operating on a single body, but kind of like a, a combination where you could actually whittle away material and then kind of tweak the mesh, that kind of right. stuff. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a lot of kind of cool things that you can kind of see are coming, you know, yeah, it's, it's like the, the foreshadowing of, of, of you know, <laughs> the, the next, the next rev, I think is going to be, have like a lot of really cool things um, there. Not to say that, you know, this isn't cool. It's a lot yeah. of just, like, oh, we can finally use, you know, moments of inertia, center of gravity for the density based method. We, you know, we can we can finally have, you know, a uh, uh, a manufacturing constraint on the mesh morphing um, uh, method, and you know that kind of stuff, and the and kind of the expansion of like a user defined. It, it's called a user defined function. Um, that 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 has a different connotation in my mind. Um, right. Like I, I feel like. It's, I feel like it's Fortran, so I'm instantly confused by it. But it's really just a way for you to to tag, you know, certain criteria like reaction forces, um, or basically say I'm looking at the relative deflection between two nodes, that kind of thing. And so, you know, kind of the all of that stuff. Um, but and like the last thing that kind of mm-hmm. is interesting is behind the scenes. You know, when you solve something, it's actually you know, and we're iterating on turning elements on and off, we're solving the model again. And, uh-huh. you know, depending on how you're, how many cores you're giving it, one of the issues was we would solve the model. If you're solving on, you know, 10 cores, you have 10 result files behind the scenes. The, uh, oh, the APDL engine has combined all those together. And then we track, you know, what happened against my objectives, my criteria, that kind of stuff. And then you you go through and iterate onto the next one. So now it actually doesn't have to combine those distributed files. It actually reads the distributed result files. Mm-hmm. And so you can get some pretty good speed ups um, depending on, you know, how much disk IO, how much, uh, how many processors were used. So that's, that's, that's kind of a, a pretty cool, cool thing. It just seems like kind of overall they've filled in the the, the gaps between capabilities and, and right. needs to make it more practical. Yeah, right. And I and I mean you you can kind of see that even with like this simp method. There's mm-hmm. 
uh, an advanced filter. So after you're done solving, you essentially have this map of elements that are turned on or off. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on, you know, I think it's a linear filter right now. So it, it kind of looks a little noisier, a li kind of bland, actually. You know, that's mm -hmm. one of the, the things like, <laughs> like the SIP method looks like, okay, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work to this um, in yeah. order to keep it dork. The level set always has like these really elegant kind of like clean looking structures. Right. Um, but if you put a nonlinear filter that essentially looks at, you know, which elements are turned on and off, you actually start to turn a simp output of the STL, you know, behind the scenes, it's solving the exact same way, but the output STL starts to look uh, a bit more elegant, mm -hmm. um, a bit more kind of um, like, I don't know, like, like fancy. I, I, I don't know the right word for it. Like, yeah, you know, kind of almost more, like, more organic looking for me. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, it just kind of gives you some more, uh, you know, novel, maybe that's the word I'm looking for novel <laughs> shapes, um, mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's, 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 I mean, we've been advocating people should be using it for quite some time. It's been a useful tool, but it really seems like it's getting closer and closer to where, you know, when we first started recommending it to people it was kind of like, well, this will give you some ideas on what the shape could be, you know, where yeah. you might remove material, where you might add material. Now it's getting you much closer to that optimized shape. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of that is, you know, the ability, you know, when we, when it was first introduced, you know, you could do structural, <laughs> maybe right, modal. Exactly. And yeah. so the ability to kind of, you know, add these additional criteria to, mm. you know, and, and add additional manufacturing constraints. So that way you don't have to apply as much engineering knowledge or tribal knowledge to your part. You know, so, you, you know, you, you go through, you run a simulation, see where it took material out, then go back there like, well, you know, obviously this won't work this, you know, cause I have this manufacturing process. I have, you know, you know, all these different kind of what ifs that you'd have to essentially add back in. Mm -hmm. You can add all those up front and the, the output shape includes those. And so, right. um, so yeah, it's a it's pretty nice kind of, you know, less, less work on the, uh, kind of creating that final shape. And then that final shape, it comes out in something you can use with um, space claim. Is that still correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two ways that you can go through mm -hmm. it. Um, so there's, um, you can go through a validation step that mm -hmm. essentially takes that STL right. um, and shoves it into a downstream mechanical session. It automatically mm -hmm. tags all your boundary conditions that you had. So that way you can easily reapply them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The only trick with that is um, you have to make sure that you use the, uh, what is it, the patch independent yes. measure. Yes. Um, so that's not using, I think it might run something in space claim, uh, behind the scenes mm -hmm. to kind of mm -hmm. convert it from an STL to something else. Um, mm -hmm. but really you don't have to interact with the geometry. The, right. the other way that you can do it is you can, you know, when you right mouse click to create a validation system, um, you can specify, I want to go to geometry. I just want to go to mesh <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. it branches off differently. So if it goes okay. to geometry, now you go take that STL, go into space claim, and then you okay. have the whole suite of reverse engineering um, tools. Um, and one of the things there is like an auto skin functionality. So trying to, you know, you can, you can always create the geometry using, you know, all these different kind of surface skinning operations, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a manual process and uh, very, um, 
experience like you had to have done it before to, to be really efficient at it um in, in my opinion it was right. one that, that never quite uh grasped um and this new one essentially you create a box it goes through and does its thing and seems to do a pretty pretty good job yeah i think i think that's always been one of the more um i don't know daunting tasks as you get done and now you got to get in there and make something that you know, in the CAD tool or something. And because it's in space claim and because it's getting closer and uh, because they've got tools like the auto skin, it's just getting a much, much better process um, yeah. to get to that, that geometry you're going to work with. Cool. Um, if users want some a little advice here. So if somebody's interested in trying this out, you've been, you've been playing with these tools for a while now, a couple of releases now. What, what's your suggestion on how to get started? Are there good tutorials? Should they just pick a simple uh, bracket and start there? What's what's a good place? Yeah, to I mean, is this? a flat plate with a hole in it or just a yeah. box with like imprinted things and just play around with it. It's mm -hmm. um, unless you start kind of stacking a lot of constraints so, I mean, you, you know, you can kind of think of it as the more constraints you give it, the more kind of narrow of a window you have of mm -hmm. like a correct solution. And I mean, it's an iterative solution. And so, you know, sometimes it's, it can take a while to kind of find that valley uh, that, that okay. satisfies all of those constraints. Um, I usually just, just start with like a really simple part. Um, you know, I'm, you know, YouTube, you can know, go on YouTube and see all, all sorts of different videos from Ansys or anyone else of, you know, running these different things. But I always just start really basic. Um, if people are running them, um, my kind of past history is the SIP method is um, uh, a bit faster. Um, okay. I think it's just been around longer. Um, right. Yeah, it's got more kinda, in it. Yeah. Kind of got that dialed in. The, the level set uh, can take longer. It seems to be a little more sensitive in terms of being over constrained, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's one of these where, you know, it, it, like all FEA, it should be a crawl, walk, run, like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. first, first make, you know, cause sometimes like all the constraints that you apply on something like that shape doesn't exist. Like that's, right. it's a legit thing that happens where, you know, you're just asking for unobtainium in, mm -hmm. in like, you know, a weird shape that like it, nothing will ever work. So start slow and mm -hmm. add those constraints and kind of, you know, ease your way into it. Okay. Um, and just realize it supports thermal loads, supports inertial loads. Um, that might not be for the mesh morphing. I'd have to double check on, I forget what that yeah. supports. But, but, but definitely for the other two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it supports thermal, structural, modal. Um, so those are kind of the, the, the three kind of big ones. And especially with modal, um, it can sometimes get tricky if your modes switch. Um, so if, you know, mode three becomes mode two. Kind right. Of thing. right. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, take, you know, I I'd rather, you know, spend, you know, um, you know, a little bit of time running some, you know, like validation models rather than trying to figure out what actually happened in something that didn't work. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's like all things FEA start out pretty basic and just uh, get more elegant after that. 
Yeah, you can definitely bite off more than you can chew. And I know I've seen people do uh, benchmarks or evaluations of, of top logical optimization tools. And they start with this like complicated real-world problem with all these crazy loads and everything. And and that's not necessarily the best place to start. And right. yeah, yeah, it's just solve that flat plate with a hole in it or whatever it is first and see what it looks like and um, get in there and play around. Um, and I, I, I don't know, is there anything else that you think people should know that's uh, new coming out in this latest release or um, anything else you want to share before you wrap it up? Uh, well, this is just the top off, right? Yeah, just top off. Okay, yeah. right. Um, I think so there was a nice way to so for lattice optimization, um, yes. that's where you can essentially have an infill. So, you know, there's no reason a part needs to be solid. Right, right. Uh, so uh, this is different where, you know, you essentially are hollowing out and replacing something with like a honeycomb or the, the honeycomb isn't the right word, but kind of but just hollowing out. Whatever that lattice is, shape. yeah. And so there's, you know, a list of different lattice shapes and pretty much what we're doing behind the scenes is solving for like a variable thickness or a density map. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really cool. Um, it is just really difficult to validate that performance um, because historically you'd have to, you know, you, you, you take your uh, density map that you get from the lattice optimization and then you'd run it into space claim and, you know, space claim already knows the lattice type that you picked, mm -hmm. which faces are kept or removed or stuff like that. Um, and it creates this STL with a variable thickness lattice infill. The problem was always, if I want to do an optimization, I have to like actually mesh this. And right. Just crazy. Yeah, it's cra crazy kind of hard to do. Um, and so uh, there's a different way to kind of validate it is rather than looking at it from a micro level where, you know, we're explicitly modeling all this stuff. Instead, we're kind of taking, you know, how, you know, printed circuit boards are, are modeled where it's not mm -hmm. necessarily a, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm explicitly modeling little details. I'm providing a map of knockdown factors. Right. It's also similar to how um, the additive simulation tools simulate, mm -hmm. you know, support structures. You know, it's not explicitly modeling all of the little support structures. It's essentially calculating knockdown factors based off of essentially an overlay. Right. Um, and so the lattice optimization, you can do kind of a, a macro level uh, validation. Obviously, you're not going to capture stresses and strains in the lattice members, but you can at least capture the actual deformation um, or kind of far field effects um, mm -hmm. of the study. So that's kind of a nice uh, other way to go about it. Yeah, I think that's really powerful and, and um, allows us to really think outside of the box. I was just, just on a call earlier today with, with one of the 3d printing uh, metal 3d printer manufacturers about how we can do these crazy lattice structures now. And uh it's pretty pretty powerful stuff and big weight savings there. So definitely definitely check that out. So it's not just moving the surfaces around. It's it's creating these variable density lattices. Um, can do some pretty cool stuff. So let's let's change gears. So we've we've done this. We've we've run these things and we've got geometry or or we've used traditional methods to get geometry and we want to improve the build process. So so what's yeah. new on the additive side of modeling? Yeah. So that, uh, that yeah. So 
So additive, you, we now have all, we've always had all these different tools. And mm-hmm. so uh, we'll start, for, I always like to start first with additive prep, <laughs> because I think, you know, this is the tool that lives within space claim. Um, it, it, you feed it an STL of a part that you want to print. You specify, you know, your build zone. Um, you can now specify don't build here zones, like do not fly zones. Um, you know, if you have uh, mounting hardware for your build plate or anything like that. So that way you can kind of play around with positioning all of the, all of your uh, parts that you want to print on this. Um, and what, you know, some nice things here is, you know, uh, the additive prep allows you, it's a rules-based kind of solver, mm-hmm. not actually solving like an FEA or thermal, right. like, but it's essentially looking at, you know, um, uh, the amount of support structure you need versus the build time versus the uh, tendency to distort um, mm-hmm. out of plane. And so kind of gives you this map on how you should orient your part in order to, you know, you can think of those three as, you know, those, those three are like the, the points on the triangle that you can set to optimize off of. And it'll tell you, this should be the orientation you should use. Now it's not, again, it's not solving anything, but it at least tells you, you know, this, this looks like a good optimization based off of all of these rules. Great. Um, then from there, you can actually start and build your own support files. So you can identify surfaces that have whatever overhang you want. You can specify a lot of different support structures um, uh, uh, it, on these regions. You can add faces, remove faces, um and so i mean a lot of times you know support structures it's easy to identify the overhang where right. it needs like actual support but also supports provide you know the the, the thermal cooling mm-hmm. uh a, a conduit uh for it so um you know you can go through and add all of this stuff um kind of ahead of time and um uh you know really nice kind of like pretty straightforward way to support your structure. So now you you have your STL of your part, you have the STL of your support structure and kind of new uh, and additive prep is some EOS integration. Oh, so cool. EOS has been kind of the, uh, uh, it's, is it the industry leader? I, I, I think I, it definitely is. The, the, yeah. most, the most machines out there, yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely yeah. So, yeah, I think I've lost all credibility now. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's what, uh, but, how, how, how do you want to describe it? Because there are those that'll say their machines are the leading machine. Right, right. Sold as many. They, so. they are the most yeah. uh, common machines that yes, I run into. There we go. Yes, Maybe definitely. That's the way to do it. So, so you can actually spit out like the CLI file and actually, you know, go straight from uh, uh, this additive prep tool and mm-hmm. go and generate a build file. So, nice. um, you know, in addition to that, you know, it's in space claim. So it's exposing some of these uh, features to scripting. So if you, you know, need to automate or kind of standardize a workflow, uh, pretty easy to do that. Very cool. If you know the language, <laughs> you can, you can, yeah. you can log it and then go through and see what, how it does it and then go back and modify it. But um, scripting is available. 
that's that's a really major breakthrough because I think uh, sometimes, especially on the manufacturing side, people are like, "Oh, it's just easier if I do it myself," you know, in the real world. But if we can script it, we can really speed it up and and make it more practical and get get the design team working with the manufacturing team to model to make make better parts and get fewer crashes and less distortions. It's pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, any features on modeling the actual build process itself that are new in this release or just um, well, I mean, so we can close that additive prep and move on to yes, like but, yes. the build process. That might build be process. Good, yeah. good segue. I'll have to tip yeah. you later for that yeah. <laughs> transition. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you can think of additive, additive prep is, you know, I can go through, I can orient, I can create build right. support structures. I'm sorry. You can play around with, you know, different, you know, look at different um Oh my God, like kind of layer by layer scanned data and stuff like that. And so now you have an STL of your part, STL of your support, and you're ready to print. But let's, before you actually print it, because that's not a cheap uh, process, (laughs) there's different ways that we can simulate the print process. Um, And so um, there's... Uh, uh, there's three tools now that, that do this. I uh, kind of do this. So you have additive prep, print, and additive mm-hmm. science. So th- those are um, the non-workbench, uh, non-mechanical based utilities where you, it kind of almost feels like it's sitting in a web browser. You feed right. it an STL, you specify some uh, machine parameters. Um, and then there's, you know, multiple, you know, on the added additive print side, that's really intended to, you know, um, uh, you know, looking at uh, blade crash, uh, looking at, you know, uh, you know, some residual stresses, strains, that kind of stuff. Um, so additive print now can, uh, there's, you know, three flavors of simulation. You can do a very quick, um, uh, uh, oh my God, like an instantaneous uh uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it. Yeah, I can't um, remember it either. Yeah, yeah it's really fast. It's, yeah, it, it's a yeah, it's a quick upfront. It it mm-hmm. doesn't pay attention to any like scan directions or anything like that or directionality. The next step up is an orthotropic uh, mm-hmm. strain. Why doesn't this sound right in my head? This is horrible. Anyways, then the, then the last one, the most detailed is you know we can actually run uh, like a full thermal history where we're using mm-hmm. the build file. So um, just like we can write out the CLI for an EOS machine, we can actually read in an EOS build file and use that, those scan patterns, the scan directions and stuff like that to, you know, fully understand the full thermal history, the full, you know, uh, time history of, of the stresses that develop as you build up your part. Um, and, and so, you know, this is intended as, you know, uh, you know, I, I have someone that is running a machine and they want to make sure that, you know, this is kind of like a good first pass on making right. sure that the added prep didn't miss something because mm-hmm. uh, it is a rules based. So, you know, you have all this stuff. Um, and then the other thing you can do is, you know, I can run my, my, uh, uh, <laughs> my print simulation to capture mm-hmm. this, the stresses and strains that develop and stay in the distortion that happened. And then I can also now transfer my additive print simulation to mechanical APDL and I can do kind of a progressive cutoff operation. So previously it was basically like poof magic, all of your support. It's gone. Poof. Yeah. 
wasn't that easy. Yeah. Um, and so now you can do a progressive cut in, in, in by transferring this over to mechanical, which uses the APDL solver. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, those are kind of the, you know, and, and behind the scenes, you know, APDL now supports writing out a result file um, for additive print to you. So it uses a VTK uh, mm-hmm. file format. And so you can run this cutoff procedure and then have additive print run a distortion compensation off of that. So we go through and we've, you know, try to give, you know, guidelines on, you know, this is what the part should look like. This is what it actually looks like after you print it, after you cut it off. Um, and so we can, you can distort that input STL. So that way you distort into the correction. Mm-hmm. That's um, the thing that I like the most. Um, I, because I, when we've used it in actual projects, that's been the most useful thing is to be able to calculate that distortion and compensate for it and get get the geometry you need. Yeah, yeah and I mean, you know that 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 process is a little iterative. It's one of mm-hmm. these where you kind of supply a few different compensation factors, and then you kind of do a secondary run through those just to verify. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, it. I, I just wanted to put that out just because it, I don't want it to, you know, nothing is magic. Everything, <laughs> um, you know, it does require a secondary loop through it, but it is a really good way. And it's, it's you know, one of the, the bigger selling points uh, for mm-hmm. additive print is you can make sure that the machine that you have, because you can apply some uh, uh, calibration factors to your material models to, to simulate your build machine in additive print. Um, and so that way, you know that you know you can distort it. So on your machine, it prints and meets print. Yeah, yeah. your that requirements way. at the end. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's that's. I I just I just think it's uh it's come such a long way from the initial uh, tool set and so much more practical. It's still still a process. Um, one of the things we always recommend is you know the manufacturing engineers may not have that are running the machines may not have the simulation background. So those of you who are listening that are on the simulation side that are interested in this, you know, reach out to your your three D printing folks and say, I want to work with you on this. Let let me use my expertise. I know how to run mechanical i know how to to i know these tools i know the language let me help you model this process uh rather than you learning how to become a simulation person um while you're doing everything else you're supposed to be doing as a manufacturing engineer uh that's been really successful when people have done that so highly recommend it um anything else exciting you want to share um, well, I mean, I can pivot to the additive science side. Well, that, so, yeah, I mean, let's let's I mean, let's take I mean, a look at that one. That's to I mean, me, that's the up and coming, a uh, lot of promise there. Where where is it at today? Yeah, so I mean, additive print again. That's for the person running the machine, making yes. sure that what we print survives the process, doesn't break the machine, and meets you know the, yeah. the dimensional specs that we have. So additive science allows me to play around with um the build parameters so you know you can play around with you know the laser wattage the beam diameter the scan speeds uh all of the different kind of inputs that you can have and what and what we're doing is trying to predict what does it actually do to the material mm-hmm. so you know from a microstructure standpoint from a porosity standpoint th- those kinds of things and so it's not in you know all, all we're trying to, do, all you're trying to do is essentially find that sweet spot for operating the machine that gives you, you know, the correct printed material properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's probably not the right way to say it, but basically yeah. making sure that because you know, as you tweak it and you know 
the the actual material performance and, and what you get out of it changes. Right. Yeah. The material properties, the microstructure is different. And, and I think people don't realize how significant of an issue voids in the build can be, um, you know, because the crack initiation sites, right? So you need right. to know if you get, get those parameters tuned in so you can minimize those voids. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, within this tool, you know, it runs on the, the same uh, kind of web-based interface as additive print. Um, so, there was another material that's added as a beta for the microstructure uh, calculation. Um, so that was 316L. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I forget Great. what the other I think, that, I think there's three, three others in there. So you have a list of four kind of uh, out of the box, you know, uh, validated materials that you can use to see, you know, what kind of microstructure um, and, and material characteristics you'll get out of it. Um, They've also expanded kind of the, the machine parameters. So there were there were actually like limits to the, the laser beam diameter. Or, you know, the, oh, okay. Some of the, some of these like you know just just kind of widening the range of available uh, input parameters. Um, and then the last one, it's an extension, meaning you're not going to see it out of the box. Um, you have to contact your support provider and get mm-hmm. access to to download it. Mm-hmm. But it's a way to actually tune your own materials. And so, oh, okay. uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of been you know, the, I don't want to say the limiting factor, but it's one of these like, well, we have all these materials already in there, but what if I have my own? Right. And so this is now kind of that, um, that the, the, the beginnings of kind of implementing your own material models. And so it's not just as simple as, you know, providing thermal conductivity and, you know, <laughs> Young's modulus and stuff like right. that. Like there's a lot of, you know, kind of uh, thermodynamic behavior, thermodynamic behaviors, absorptivity as a powder and as a solid and all this stuff that go, goes into it. And so it's a way to essentially kind of, tune your parameters based off of some test data that you have. And so, uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool. Uh, uh, that's, very that's a big step forward. Yeah. Because right. uh, you know, you, that's the thing we always run into as well. I don't run that material. I need right, right. If, I, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not running those four materials, then what do I do? And, exactly. So, Exactly. Well, cool. I, I, that's, that's, I, I'm a huge fan of what the, uh, additive science, um, can do when it's done. <laughs> um, right. and I, I think it's really becoming a much more mature tool and it seems like it's, it's, it's time to really take it. If you're in, in that space and you need to understand what, what are the characteristics of the part when it comes out, not just the geometry, how much is it distort really? Um, it really looks like it's becoming mature enough to to start digging into that. That's really cool. Very good. Um, wow, that's I. It makes me want to go. Oh, you got one more? What's yeah, the last one? yeah. What's the so, last one? I mean, we have, right. So, I mean, we have two different ways that you can simulate the print process. And so, we right. talked about added print. Right. Um, there's also the workbench additive suite. And okay. So, yes. Yes. So, workbench additive, you know, runs a. Um, well, this isn't a, a true statement anymore, uh, but it, it'll, I was going to say it runs a transient thermal and then runs a static structural that pulls the, the thermal history. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the case anymore. There was a beta feature, I believe, in the last run that allows you to essentially run uh, an instantaneous. That doesn't sound right. Oh, it's going to bug me. Um, mm-hmm. But it essentially mirrors the, the same solver functionality of 
additive print. print right. um, and so, I mean, there's different, you know, the workbench additive is really more intended for, I'm, I'm a designer or I'm, I'm a designer and analyst and I have a printed part. And before I hand this off to someone who's actually going to print right. it, I wanted to, you know, do I need to add a heat treat? Will it survive the print process? Um, there's been blade crash that's been added to it. So you get this kind of cross-pollination between additive print functionalities and uh, solver capabilities within uh, mechanical. Um, and so kind of continue along that uh, cross-pollination. So for some reason, I'm on like a bee's kick. I don't know You, why. you are on a bee kick. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> There's a voxel measure. So that's the measure that additive print uses. Right. Um, that is now available within Workbench Additive. So it's Very just cool. an opposite Cartesian body measure. Mm -hmm. um, after that, there's been, you know, in I think it was the previous rev, you could have STL supports um, or like a layered tech mesh. And you could essentially have, you, you would need contact between two different parts that you're trying to print because they were dissimilar meshes. Mm -hmm. um, so the voxel measure is great because you get a conformal mesh between all of your supports, all of your actual printed parts. So Very great. True. You don't have to worry about contact, any type of that stuff. If you're using a layered tet masher, you're using STL supports, what have you. Um, in previous revs, you would have to uh, use an APDL command snippet to connect the two together. So was, um, I'm now forgetting the, the actual command, but it's a pretty basic setup. You just have to provide a name uh, name selection off of your, you know, your two parts that you're trying to do. And it's essentially doing like a, like the old, like CEINTF command where it's just okay. constraining to elements between your different parts. Um, so you don't need a command snippet anymore for that. It's, it's an actual like bonded contact within your, uh, within the connections branch. So just, you know, Re removing that kind of uh, hard to parameterize APDL. Um, and I'm using mm -hmm. hard to parameterize air quotes because if you know what you're doing, it's not that hard. Um, but it's it's if you don't want to know APDL, you don't have to. You can just use the bonded contact. Okay. Um, and so some updates to the wizard that kind of walks you through the additive process. Um, and then there's an extension for simulating. And again, this isn't included you have to contact your support provider and give you access to it for marriaging steel i'm probably mispronouncing that but it's yeah i know what you mean though steel. yeah uh, and i'm now blanking on my uh steel uh, uh structure types <laughs> but it has a really low transition point between two of them mm -hmm. and you get this weird effect to where depending on the temperatures involved um you can actually get like some net some downward you know as you print stuff up like the the example is like a cantilever beam so any kind of standard additive powder as you print up that cantilever it's going to tend to kind of tilt upwards towards uh, towards the recode okay. but because of this uh marriaging seals um you know tendency to shift uh uh, um, phases doesn't sound right. Sorry, yeah, I'm not doing yeah, yeah, but but I know what you're talking about. So it's a, it's a well, different like it, mark it aesthetic. A tendency, yeah. It'll actually tilt downward, and so it's kind of like this. It's a very interesting uh, material behavior, and there's just an extension that's needed in order to properly characterize it and capture it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we're really it's it's almost like I I feel like I need to go back to my material science class because we're really getting <laughs> yeah. into that stuff. And I, I I've, I've joked with people it's like I feel like you have to go through college twice, like once, like just in like a six month period, so you kind of know what things mean, and then mm-hmm. you go back to it after a couple of years in industry because it's like, you know, why do I have to learn this? It's like, oh, that's exactly what that that's used for. So yeah, yeah, yeah definitely for sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting to be a, uh, I think next time we talk about this, I'm going to split it into uh, optimization and, and additive because it's yeah. getting to being, uh, there's so many capabilities and they're adding so much so fast. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think you could make the argument that the topology optimization is kind of process independent. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. in that it, it it's, it's useful for, you know, extrusions or, additive manufacturing processes that are polymer or metal. Um, so it's not necessarily a metal printed uh, specific, but it definitely is the feeder to uh, the powder bed fusion uh, simulations. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's exciting stuff. I uh, I, w- I played with a little bit uh, uh, R one uh, recently and um, on a on a simple part, and I found it very exciting to be able to see inside and and understand the process a little bit better. And co- like I said, co- like I really like is compensate for the distortion uh, with additive print. And I I need to get my claws into additive science. That sounds. I may have to find my material science book though and remember these terms. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> one where. You know, it's always nice to have like a underlying, like basic concept mm-hmm. of what's being solved. <laughs> and I always feel it's like, oh man, I really should have paid more attention. Um, <laughs> in school, yeah. But, you know. yeah, that was one of those. I'll never use this. Well, yeah. here we are talking about uh, these these different things that we had never really looked at before. So I'm excited about it. Um, same thing, I think, uh, as well, if, if you're interested in getting in, 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 in using this tool, definitely crawl, walk, run. Don't don't jump in with a really complicated part with with fancy things. Um, and, uh, you know, reach out to your support provider. Hopefully that's PADT and we can help you figure it out. But, um, you know, these are pretty powerful tools and I really recommend people check them out. Any any parting shots? Did I forget anything else? Or are we, I think we covered them all. Yeah, I think I think I've I've blundered my way through enough. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, no stuff. There's always a lot, and again, I mean, this is more of like a. These conversations are weird because it's like an update presentation, but you know we're we're hitting some what might be enough highlights on what actually happens, Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot more that like we're not talking about. So you know, there's there's you know it. That, that was that's kind of been my comment of like especially in the topology optimization is people looked at it maybe you know six or seven years ago and then it was like oh well it didn't do this it's like just look at it again like and especially if you you know depending on your license level this is included so mm-hmm. so it's you know you don't have to bring in another tool this is something that you have in-house and can do okay yeah i, I it's so 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 true i'm i'm excited um I think, I think the other thing that I have to keep reminding myself on these tools is, you know, when we talk about mechanical or fluent, we're talking about 20, 30-year-old codes that are being refined and new features added. But uh, this is – these are – 
kind of from the ground up, relatively new tools or new adaptations of mechanical and or space claim. And there's a lot more there than we can cover in the podcast or in a webinar. So definitely check it out. Um, don't, yeah, don't, I mean, don't assume it's missing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, kind of validation studies in the documentation. Mm-hmm. So if you just... You know, there's there's always skeptics that are just you know going to say that you know we're just making stuff up like there's there's been a lot of work right. <laughs> to make sure that we're not just it's not just a random number generator like it, it, there's there's some there's a good foundation in in, in real life for this. <laughs> Very, very true. I hear that. Um, well, I always, as always, Doug, I want to thank you very much. I hope you have a good three-day weekend. We're recording this right before the, the three-day break. So um, enjoy the heat before the cold comes. The heat and the snow. Hopefully the tomatoes survive. <laughs> Ours all boiled up. Yeah, I, I might be... I might be taking Tuesday off as like bereavement for the the garden that used to be. (laughs) Take pictures now. Take pictures now before it's too late. Yes. All right. Well, enjoy. Uh, Always a pleasure. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks. After talking to him, I decided that I really need to find a way to maybe PADT hire me as a contract engineer so I can do six months or so of real simulation for, for just kind of get deep into these tools. I just, I really want to play with them really frustrating, not being able to. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope you got the impression that, that these are, these are real value added capable tools and not just something, uh, you know, we used to sit around and talk about being able to do these things, uh, someday, right. Someday we'll be able to do this. Someday we'll be able to do that. Well, we can do them now. It's pretty, pretty cool. So to learn more, uh, you can do check out Doug's webinar on brighttalk.com. I searched for PADT space additive space R2 and it came right up. Or you can just search for PADT and find it in our list of webinars. Um, but do check that out there. And as always, uh, reach out if you have any questions about this topic or any others. So it's time for our commercial. And for today's, for today's commercial, let's talk about additive and how PADT is uniquely positioned to help. As you may or may not know, we have three verticals of PADT, simulation, design, and additive manufacturing, or 3D printing. And many companies are at a crossroads where they're trying to bring all these three things together to take their products to the next level, to get that that extra added capability or functionality or life. And where it is true that many consulting companies can help explore one or maybe two of those aspects... PDT is one of the only firms and really the only one that I know of in the world that can address all three. We can talk about all three of these and how they work together. So why not reach out and let us help bring 26 years of experience to bear on your initiatives. So shoot an email to info at PDTinc.com and uh, let's talk about it. Let's, let's set up a call, see what you're trying to do and see how we can help. Uh, We're doing it with other customers. We'd love to do it with you and you don't have to be local. We can do that around the world. All right. Ansys stock, um, not much to talk about there. Um, definitely the market took a, a downturn this week, an adjustment, I guess they call it. Um, you know, Ansys peaked a couple weeks ago at 354.87 a share, um, and it's down to 321.21 a share right now. Um, right before Labor Day. Uh, but if you you plot it next to the uh, S&P 500, you can see that it just pretty much went down with the market. That's a pretty straight fall. Nice peak, nice fall. Uh, it's a nice looking graph if you don't have money invested. <laughs> or maybe it's time to buy. I'm horrible at investing, so I don't know. But um, still very strong. The stock is still doing very, very well, uh, even with that adjustment. 
There's only one bit of ANSYS news to share. They actually won a Gold Stevie Award for being a great employer. Um, you may recall that PADT won for our tech won one for our tech support group a few years ago, um, and it's a pretty prestigious award. And we're really excited to see that that ANSYS won one for being uh, how they employ their people, how they care of their people, and 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 knowing many of their employees very very well and friends with many of them, I can say that it's a well earned award. So congratulations to everybody that made that happen. Um, um, we don't have any announcements at PADT, nothing new going on with us, just same old, same old. Uh, ANSYS blog-wise, um, I picked two articles that I thought were interesting. One is called the top three new HFSS features for 5G antenna design. Well, even if you're not a 5G antenna designer, I found it very interesting because 5G is everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. it, it it's a really nice uh, uh, look at how they use simulation to make better antennas. The second uh, is something near and dear to my heart, which is using electrification for sustainability. And um, basically, it's an article about how the benefits of electrification are in big demand. Um, it's not just something that people are looking at and maybe doing someday, but it's it's definitely a thing now. And simulation, of course, enables that electrification as we're seeing over and over again. Events. So we've got uh, one webinar on the calendar right now. I think we've got another one coming up uh, a little bit in October. But the second one for September is uh, Twin Builder Updates and ANSYS 2020 R2. And I recommend this for everybody because everybody should be, if you're, I don't know if you're a CFD guy or a structural person or you do um, electromagnetics. We're, we're all talking about taking our models and putting them into a system level model. And that's what Twin Builder is. It's the system level modeler for, for ANSYS. Um, really need to check this out to see what's new. It's growing. It's becoming more capable. It's becoming more powerful. Um, and that's going to be on the 16th at 11 o'clock Phoenix time, Pacific time as well. Um, you can, as always, sign up on brighttalk.com or go to padtinc.com slash and then go to events page and you can see... Um, the, the sign up there. You can click on the link and sign up there. Uh, you, can, you don't have to listen to it live, but do register so you get a reminder when it's been recorded. So we got a lot of events going on, which is what I said. So I'm not even going to, I didn't write them down. I, I'm going to go to our webpage, padtinc.com slash events, and take a look at what's there. And there's a lot. Um, first off, uh, for those of you that are local, we're hosting the sixth edition of our um, COVID-19 response to not being able to socialize called the Arizona Tech Business Networking Event. Um, this is on Zoom. We get together from 5 to 6.30 every two to three weeks, and we just talk and network. We go into small rooms, and we meet each other, and it's a, it's a great, it's a lot of fun. Um, I keep on thinking that, well, one of these days, nobody's going to show up, but we keep on getting more people. So very popular. Um, and then in the middle of the month, we've got a four-day event, which is basically our 3D printing user group meeting. Um, so if you are involved in 3D printing at all, I recommend you check it out. Um, we've got uh, four days of events and in general, one or two um, talks each day. So we start the afternoon with a customer talk. This is not a sales conference. So the customers are going to talk about what they're doing. And then we're going to do a panel with experts on the topics. So the first day is on the 14th. And that's uh, a discussion from a customer on 3D printing injection molded inserts and followed by a panel on how to manage an additive production line. So people are setting up uh, shops to make parts with additive manufacturing. How do you do that? Um, then the next day, a really 
great customer is going to talk about how they use 3D printing for construction and how they make basically models of buildings very useful and fun. And then we're going to talk about functional prototyping. Uh, so the, the focus there is making prototypes and how to make functional prototypes that you can use to drive your design faster. Um, third day is really looking at design and we've got a discussion on the use of additive manufacturing for product development at otter products so you may have an otter box or a, another otter cover for your uh, iphone or your android phone um, they're ansys users and we're gonna they're gonna talk about how they use ansys to help drive their product development for their consumer product and then the final day is focused on medical. And the first talk is a customer that's using 3D printing for pharmaceutical equipment. And then we're going to have a discussion talking about how people used 3D printing to fight back COVID, kind of like our discussion here about how ANSYS, we used ANSYS to do the same thing. So that's our, our PADT Virtual Additive Manufacturing Conference, or PVAMC. Uh, we'd definitely love to have some of our listeners attend that. It's open to anybody anywhere in the world. So in the middle of all that, we've got some other events. Uh, it's it's uh, AZ Bio Week, or AZ Bioscience Week uh, in Arizona from, I think it's the, the same week, the 14th through the um, 18th, 17th. Um, and, um, we're big participants in that and we'll be, uh, running around doing virtual events for that as well. Um, I'll be at the white hat life science investors conference, uh, which runs, um, the afternoon of the 15th and all day on the 16th. And this is a, basically a, uh, startup oriented pitch competition and, and speaking about, uh, startups in the medical space. I'm very excited about that one. It's a, it's a popular, I, I love that event. Uh, every year, every other year we do it here. And then on the other years, on the, uh, on the odd years, we do it in Colorado. So it's a, it's a great event. Um, we've also got the webinar I spoke about with uh, Matt on the 16th. And then uh, the AZ Bio Awards are that night of the 16th, which is going to be, because we can't do it live, we're going to do it as a television show. So one of the local TV stations is actually going to do an hour-long show about the winners. Um, and then... Uh, PADT is sponsoring, and I am basically uh, introducing a really important event that's uh, near and dear to my heart that we've been trying to put together for some time, and I'm very excited about it. So it's through the Arizona Technology Council, and it's called the Tech Inclusion Forum. And it's the first of hopefully many events. And we're going to talk about understanding racism from a historical context and a call to action on how tech companies can make a difference in, in chipping away at systematic racism, uh, institutional racism. So that's going to be on the 23rd from 3.30 to 5. And it's virtual. And um, it is an Arizona Technology Council event. But everybody is welcome that wants to participate in the discussion because the problem is everywhere. And then um, we're doing a very similar event that uh, we'll be part of, we'll be sponsoring called STEM Education and Workforce Equity Forum. And that's brought by a group in Colorado called STEM Generation, which we're uh, active in. And they basically do um, basically educate kids for STEM. Uh, they help teachers and, and families uh, educate STEM, do STEM education. And so it's a pretty exciting uh, event. We've got two um, basically inclusion and equity type events coming up, one right after the other. 
And then finishing up the month, a very busy month, um, I'll be, we will have a booth at the Colorado Life Science Innovation Forum and trade show. Uh, day one is on the 30th and day two is on the 1st of October. Um, and uh, like I said, we're gonna have a booth there and we're very excited to, to see the, the people presenting and the talks and things. And that, that, what they're doing for that one is it's gonna be in the morning on the first day and the afternoon on the second day. So they're splitting it up. So if you do attend, if you're in from Colorado or attending this Colorado event, please stop by our virtual booth. We will be there um, and would love to talk to you and just say hi. And then um, we've got other stuff in October and November that I'll talk about in the next podcast, but that pretty much covers um, a lot going on in September. So we packed a lot in there. Um, that's it for events for PADT. Um, just want to thank everybody for always for listening to our podcast and for making it such a fun thing to do. Don't forget to subscribe at www.pdtinc.com slash opt in. That's for our newsletter. Um, and you can subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are subscribable. Do spread the word, let other people know about it and don't hesitate to reach out. I thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 71. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys Inc. And the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, please visit www.padtinc.com slash blog. And please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time. <laughs>